Hello, and thank you for tuning into Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, Mum to Amandine and Elwood. If you are new here, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life as a mum of two. Sharing all the highs and all the lows, not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, experts in their fields, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in Mum Talk to be honest, real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments. Wherever you may be, thank you for listening and being part of today's conversation. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Mum Talk. You know what, I just checked when I last released a podcast. It was over a month ago. I have no idea where the time's going. I feel like it was yesterday. Clearly wasn't. Four weeks ago, if not even five actually. Anyway, I figured I'm going to do today's podcast a little bit different because loads of you sent in questions, so I'm going to Answer the questions first in case you are short on time because I really know what that feels like right now. So if you asked a question, I'm going to do it now and then I will talk about our news, what's been going on for us, etc, etc. So I hope you're doing really well. It's a beautiful day where I am right now. The kids have just gone down to bed for a nap. We have a play date this afternoon. I'll come on to talk about that a little bit more because it's related to preschool. Um, But I'm hoping that Elwood has a couple of hours and Amandine at least has 45 minutes, um, which is basically what I have. So I'm hoping I'm not going to waffle too much on the podcast today. And um, yeah, that's where I'm at. So let's start off with questions. Um, Lots of you guys, as you can possibly hear, I am not particularly well at the moment. Wonderful preschool germs. Thank you so much. (laughs) Uh, Nothing hit Amandine. She literally just had a runny nose for a couple of days, but I had a temperature, a runny nose. I have done so many COVID tests. It's not even funny. Um, Not that it would make much difference. I would just like to know whether I've had it because touch wood, I am yet to have COVID. Anyway, I have had a temperature, I've had a runny nose, I've had, and now it's going on to my chest and I'm getting a cough, which is not so great because I'm meant to be running a half marathon next weekend. And I haven't done any form of running for the last week and I haven't done any form of distance for the last two weeks. So yeah, not going to be in my finest shape for this half marathon, but my mental kind of place on it right now is I'm going to give it my best shot. I'm not there to win any race. I'm not there to beat anybody. I'm not there to win it. I am there to take part and get my medal (laughs) at the end. And also to have some child-free time. Um, it, it, in in the kind of height of my great training, I would have done it in sub two hours, I think. But right now, I'm not going to do it in sub two hours, especially the course change. There's been a course change, which involves even more steep hills. So I will be, um, yeah, not be doing a sub two hour half marathon. But saying that, um, I was talking to a friend's father at a birthday party the other day and he said, why don't you just walk it all? (laughs) There's a very generous cutoff of five hours on the half marathon. And I was like, you know what? It's not a bad idea. Five hours of alone time is great. But I have just found out that they don't allow you to wear headphones. And running a half marathon for me is great. I get to listen to a podcast. It also just helps me distract myself from the potential discomfort of running a half marathon. Um, 
so yeah, not too sure. I might have to sneak them into my backpack and bring them out when there aren't any marshals around and just say, oh, sorry. Anyway, we'll see. It might be naughty, it might not. I'm such a goody two-twos that I'm sure there'll be other people needing their headphones for um, to actually get through the half marathon. But lots of you asked me for any recommendations for vitamins or things to help keep you alive when you're on zero sleep and you're sick. Yes, I have three brilliant brands to recommend to you, one of which um, was a sponsor on the podcast, Nutrivita. Uh, they were really great. Uh, we use them. I really rate them. Cytoplan I've taken before, um, and also uh, Wild Nutrition. I've taken those before, and I really rate them, but I am rubbish at following my own advice. I have not taken a postnatal vitamin at all. I don't think I've taken any vitamins at all, and considering I'm 16 months into our breastfeeding journey for Elwood, I really should be taking some vitamins, and that's probably one of the reasons why these nursery or preschool germs are hitting me so hard, because I'm depleted. I was listening to, um, who was I listening to or following? I think I was following Mama, well, I am following Mama's Milk. She's brilliant. But she was essentially saying that um, women who breastfeed their children from third world countries who are very malnourished themselves, their breast milk is essentially, or studies have shown that their breast milk is the same quality as women from uh, wealthy countries, their full nutritional needs, needs are being met because our bodies rid us as mothers from everything we need and give it to our babies because our bodies know that our babies are the most important thing. Um, so isn't that interesting? So yes, I need to get onto those vitamins as well. Hendrik's amazing at taking vitamins. He literally, I mean, has one of those kind of pill well, you might as well have one of those pill things that organises your um, vitamins. Because if you rattled him in the morning, he'd probably shake and make a noise because he takes so many vitamins in the morning. I just need one. I need one all-round multivitamin that covers everything so I don't have to think about yet another thing. I'm going to come on to that later in the podcast. I'm going to come on to the motherhood mental load. So I was talking about it with a friend and she actually articulated it and explained it so incredibly well from within a sense of relationship being in a relationship and a marriage um and I know we're all here for some relationship chat as well (laughs) I've been promising that um okay so update on Elwood's sleep please and how Amandine's doing at preschool I'll come on to preschool because that's um quite a big topic because that's pretty much been the huge piece of news um, for us, is that Amandine has started preschool at four years old. (laughs) It's been massive. Um, But Elwood's sleep. So we have been to France since I last spoke to you, and I remember chatting on the podcast about um, me panicking that we'd be on the ferry, and he would sleep through the night, and he would need boob multiple times, and then we'd get into a really bad um, place which has happened every other time that we've been to France and I've ended up having horrendous sleep in France so I was adamant that was not going to happen so he slept through a couple of times before we went to France um, quite close to our journey anyway we had a great journey over and actually he slept really well I think he woke up once which was fantastic and then when we arrived in France we did things differently so normally Elwood sleeps in my room in the cot but instead, Amandine came into my room and I put Elwood in Amandine's room, in the kids' room behind um, our bedroom. 
Hendrik just, you know, slept downstairs. Um, but in a bedroom, he wasn't on a sofa or anything. He just, you know, he needs to sleep. Um, and Amandine slept in my room and it was actually really nice. We had such like a girly sleepover vibe and it was just, yeah, it was lovely. It was really lovely. And Elwood slept so much better too. So the majority of the time he slept through the night, which was wonderful whilst we were out there. And then when we came back on the ferry, we were all in a room together, like we always are, but actually it was a much bigger room. We were, it was a little bit more luxurious than what we normally have because the ferry was empty, the prices were really good and um, we thought we would treat ourselves to coming back. So we did and they both slept through again. Since we've been back, however, that's not been the case. Elwood has been waking up about twice a night. He's taken to waking up, but now we're in kind of that horrible routine where he's now almost waking up on the dot every, the same time every single night. Um, and I'm not sure how I'm going to break that, but I think a lot's been going on for him. He's got a couple of big molars that have come through on one side, but top and bottom at exactly the same time. So that's been happening. He's been dealing with Amandine's preschool germs as well. Um, and he's been asking for breast milk a lot. He is so much more dependent on the breast than he has been for a little while. So he's been having a morning feed, kind of a mid-morning feed, which is just, I think, uh, comfort required. Maybe teething related, maybe not. I'm not too sure. Then he's been having a feed before I put him down for his lunchtime nap to settle him for that. And then the afternoon I do manage to get through actually kind of just loading him with snacks um, and fruit and um, an early dinner. So we've gone to eating dinner kind of at quarter to five, five o'clock-ish. Uh, but that does make for a very long evening um, when Amandine doesn't really go to bed <clears throat> until, because she's still napping, she's not really going to bed until like eight-ish, which is far too late for me, especially with the winter nights. That is just, it is just getting too late for me. And I said that to Hendrik last night. I was like, we've got to rein this in. We have got to sort out Amandine's bedtime because I can't have it getting dark at four o'clock and her going to bed at eight o'clock. <laughs> I would much rather her wake up much earlier or just not have a flipping lunchtime nap. But she still loves her lunchtime nap. Like you have to persuade her not to have a nap. I mean, I don't know if it's the French thing or if we've just, you know, she's just had it for such a long time. Um, but towards the end of this year, before September next year, we are going to have to somehow rein in this lunchtime nap business because she she won't be able to have that at school, will she? And I'm not entirely sure our school is open to pulling them out. In France, it's very, very normal thing to pull your child out of school at lunchtime, take them home, give them lunch, have a little nap... Um, or have a little play and then they go back to school in the afternoon but their school days are longer they don't finish at quarter past three they pretty much go back to school at quarter past three um so yeah I mean all schools are different obviously in France but um it's a bit of a late day I don't know if uh, our school will do that or if you'll want to do that you know I think at lunch breaks and sitting around and eating is is a lot of time when you actually make your friends isn't it so I'm not entirely sure if I particularly want to do that but there you go there's an update on Elwood's sleep um and when he is waking in the night actually I am unfortunately totally my issue but I am giving him boob because if I don't he goes crazy and then Amandine wakes up so at the moment he's getting boob at uh 
around 12, midnight-ish, and then he wakes up again at 5. Amandine also, since starting preschool, has been really unsettled in the evening, so, um, and, and at night, sorry, so she has been waking up at, uh, last night it was 5 o'clock, but before it's kind of been around 3-ish, 5-ish, twice a night, so yeah, four times a night from uh, my children, it's going to mean that I'm not going to get over a cold, isn't it? Because we all need sleep to heal and get over things and I'm not getting it. <laughs> so yeah, need to get onto those vitamins. Um, one of you have asked, uh, the toddlers suddenly waking up every night for two hours, having been a great sleeper generally. Um, any tips? I'm not entirely sure how old your toddler is, but Amandine did this. I think this is quite common. Amandine, because she kind of goes through stages of sleeping really, really well for a few months, and then she'll wake up, um, and it'll be quite difficult. She'll kind of come in and go out and come in and go out for maybe an, on and off for an hour, and then she'll go back to bed. What we found really helped was just trying to keep everything really routine-led, everything exactly the same, um, trying to explain to her why uh, she might want to wake up, just trying to, and, and you know, we gave her a nightlight as well. There's like a little miffy nightlights you can get, which have a 15-minute timer. There are also some um, Moulin Roti, which is a French brand ones, which also have a timer on. So you can kind of encourage them to put their light on. Uh, if they want to put their light on, have a look around, and then they'll drift off to sleep in their own time. But we just try to have as many conversations as we could about it. Even now, when she wakes me up, we try and have a conversation with her before we go to bed. And we try and say, you know, mummy's not feeling so well. It's really important that you don't wake her up. And we're just trying to include her um, in, you know, why <laughs> we don't want to be awake in the middle of the night. Um but also just remembering it will be a stage and it will pass um, because it does pass in my experience. What do you think of school starting in France from the year they turned three and thinking of leaving France because of it? Yeah, I think it's actually really horrific. <laughs> um, I mean, of course, I, I understand why they're doing it. Um, but I don't think it should be across the board. I really, really don't. And yes, I would be either homeschooling in France or I would be um, leaving, probably. I'd be doing the same as you. But I, you know, I would probably homeschool, I think, if it was an option for me. Um, but, you know, if you're working, then that's really not an option. But I do think it's crazy, yes. Uh, I very, I still think five's young. I am more of the um, Scandinavian mindset, I guess, of I'd much rather it be about seven, um, where they started school. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I can't be very very helpful, but I completely agree with, agree with you struggling with that, because I would be massively. Um, I think that pretty much covers all of the questions. Um, most of it, most of your questions were about sleep and about Elwood's sleep and Amandine's sleep. So let's talk about preschool because there's loads of questions about preschool. Seeing as I mentioned about preschool, Amandine started preschool. <laughs> the Friday after we got back from France on a Wednesday, she went in. She's doing two mornings a week. Um, it is not long. It's 9.15 until 12.15. It's really not long at all. So when I went to look around the preschool ages ago, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is just totally not what I had in mind for Amandine for preschool. This is not at all what I envisaged. 
Now she's in the preschool. I am so impressed. (laughs) I, yeah, first impressions and never having looked in a preschool before and it not being what I envisaged. I did really struggle envisaging her there and also sending her there. And everyone kept raving about the preschool that we sent her to, absolutely raving. And I kept thinking, really? How? It really doesn't look great. But actually, they made so many wonderful amends over the summer holidays. And we have been so warmly welcomed. I have been invited in every time I've taken in Amandine. Whether she's been upset or not upset, I've been encouraged to go in if I'd like to and if she'd like me to. The staff are all just wonderful. The activities they put on for the children of all ages are way way above anything I uh, was expecting. And also each activity very much has a learning element behind it. So they really are learning through play, which I love. Um... They've got so many little checkout points within, you know, I, I was very adamant that I didn't want Amandine to be going to a preschool where I felt like she was being almost institutionalised too early. Um, that was quite a big thing for me. Um, I really wanted her to be, to be able to ex- find her expression. Um, and this one um, has really really ticked all of those boxes for me. Um, I was very close to kind of homeschooling, but both Hendrik and I felt like the benefits of homeschooling didn't necessarily outweigh the benefits of the socialisation side of going to preschool and then potentially what, you know, when she does go to school, this preschool feeds straight into our, um, school so she will be within her preschool this is the other wonderful thing they have a uh, thing called rising five so anyone who's going to be five next year they go on um they have a very slightly different schedule so in the week they will do extra things so they'll go upstairs into one of the other rooms and they will have a lesson where they'll learn to listen they'll do lots of other things they'll go on a walk around the village where again they're listening they're learning to cross roads they're you know doing a lot of things that uh, you'd be expected to know or you might uh, want your child to know when you go into school but that also means that the children that she's doing these rising fives activities with she's going to make friends with them and the transition up into school is going to be so much easier for her especially because she's finding this transition quite challenging the first I'd say two maybe even three times she was totally fine going in actually two times she was completely fine going in in fact she almost ran in through the door because it was exciting it was new she wasn't too sure she wasn't aware that we were going to be leaving her really we've we spoke a lot about what was going to happen at preschool we've read a lot of books um and I think for some children that really helps but for others um not so sure it might be Amandine's age you know she's four so she has had the first four years of her life with me every single day I've only ever been from apart from Amandine for one night when she was six months old so she won't even remember when I had to go to London to go um, to work at 
uh, and do the Bugaboo event. For those of you guys who have listened right from the beginning, you may well remember that when I was on the roof of John Lewis doing the Bugaboo event. Um, but so she's she's always had us, and for the last three years, almost three years, she has had Hendrik home as well. So this is huge to not be with Mama and Papa, um, you know, for a huge chunk of the time. And actually, when we were in France before um, we came home, we left her playing with this wonderful friend, actually her cousin's, uh, sorry, Hendrik's cousin's son. We left her playing over at his house, and that was the first time we'd really left her for any amount of time, but that was about 45 minutes, I think, she did over there, and Hendrik and I both said, this is brilliant for preschool, you know, this is really great prep, and she did that a couple of times, but that was um, it. <laughs> so anyway, the first few times she literally ran into preschool, it was totally fine, and apparently she had a couple of wobblies in the day, um, but they gave her cuddles and managed to... Um, get out the other side of it but the last few times I've dropped her off it's been really challenging dropping her off and today I actually could feel myself getting upset because she was doing the crying where she was hyperventilating she was reaching and trying to get out of the arms of the nursery teacher and in the I just couldn't leave I was I just couldn't do it and I know I I actually probably made the nursery teachers or the pre I keep calling it a nursery it's not it's preschool the preschool teachers' lives much harder because I know it's really hard. She will settle when I've gone, but I just, oh, I just couldn't do it. And I think that's the hardest thing is that, you know, I am at home with Elwood, so she doesn't actually have to be there. You know, school is one thing. She legally has to be being schooled home or in school by the time she's five, but she actually doesn't have to be there. Um, but it's good for her. She's, she will get so much benefit from it. And this period of time will pass. Anyway, when we were there, what seemed to calm her down a little bit was me saying, I actually, I actually kind of threw the nurse, uh, preschool teachers under the bus a bit because I said, if you by any chance got a unicorn, anything unicorn, and... (laughs) They said, oh no, but we could go online and we could try and find a picture of a unicorn to colour in. It's like, perfect, let's do that. Why don't we do that? Sold the idea to Amaldine. And bless, the nursery man- uh, preschool manager could not get the um, computer to work. It kept throwing out this virus issue. And <laughs> anyway, we were waiting and waiting. And whilst we were waiting, other girls were coming around saying, oh, I want a unicorn too, I want a unicorn. So in the end, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to draw a unicorn. So the nursery teachers, oh my gosh, preschool teachers gave me a bunch of paper and I just kept drawing these unicorn heads. (laughs) And every time I thought I'd finished, another girl came up and was like, can I have a unicorn head (laughs) to colour in? So anyway, I left Amandine colouring in these unicorn heads with a bunch of lovely girls and she seemed okay as I left. I made sure I gave her loads of hugs, loads of kisses, And also you read so much, or I've read so much of what not to say, but I felt like everything that was coming out of my mouth was what not to say. You know, I could hear myself going, you're going to have so much fun, which apparently is not the right thing to say because you're not validating their emotions. So then I was backtracking and I was like, it's okay to be sad. It's very normal to be sad. Mummy's going to miss you too. 
Um, and then I'd say things like, but mummy's not going to have a fun morning. <laughs> I just thought, what? I'm trying to say the right thing. I'm trying to do what I've read. But then I was also really well aware that I wasn't being myself. I was just, I was trying to embody this mother that social media or the media, you know, articles or whatever, are telling me that I should be. (laughs) And I just had this realisation in nursery. I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, Also realising that I was actually really upset to leave Elmaldine. I didn't cry. Elwood swiftly distracted me. But I did have a moment where I was like, don't cry, Emma. This is, this is, do not cry. Not that I wasn't validating my emotion, but I didn't for the life of me want Amandine to see me cry because then she might think, well, I'm not safe here. I'm not going to be looked after here. You know, I was going, your, your teachers, they're going to look after you. You know, I'm going to leave you here in safe hands. I know they're going to look after you today. Why don't you continue to find some crayons with, I can't remember her name, but um, yeah. <laughs> oh God. That's one of the reasons why I've really tried to lay off social media recently because I feel like there's a lot out there that is telling us what kind of mothers we should be. And I'm actually not, or I I have felt like in the past, I actually haven't had the space to figure out what mother I am becoming. Because there's so much advice on what mother, what type of mother you should be coming it should be becoming and what you should be doing and what's the right thing to say and what's not the right thing to say and other people's emotions about school drop-offs you know that there, there, there seems to be this a huge scale of parents dropping off children and busting their asses and going to work and you know it's, it's very it's actually quite a stressful time of day There's mums desperate to be able to have a little bit of me time, which is totally understandable. And I have felt like that dropping Amandine off. But then I suddenly realised, oh, bum, I have (laughs) have Elwood. Um, Not that that's a bad thing, but it's not actually time. The nursery manager, or the preschool manager, when I first dropped Amandine off, was like, have a lovely, quiet morning. Enjoy yourself. It's like, I'm going home to my one-year-old, so it's not going to be quiet. If I could, this is why it's a preschool, not a nursery. If I could, I would leave Elwood in there for one morning, I think. Just one morning, three hours with Amandine. Because I actually think it would really help. I think it would help them bond. I think he, I mean, both times he's been in to help me drop off Amandine. He has loved it. He's just walked off and gone off to play with everything and everyone. He um, was having a ball. But they don't take one-year-olds. So <laughs> going to have to wait at least another year and a half, I think. But uh, and Amandine won't be there, of course. So it's a bit of a shame. I was talking about the scale, wasn't I? And then the other end of the scale, there's <laughs> mum, mums like me today who desperately didn't want to leave them, um, but know that it's good for them and know that they're going to make friends and know that this is really great for their developmental um, side, social skills, etc. Uh, and had to really control my emotions as she was literally screaming for me not to leave her but I did not leave her like that I did not leave out of the door like that we she left perfect I, when I left she was happy I then think she got a little bit upset when she realized I'd gone that's the other thing is you know I've said goodbye but then when I see her happy in the moment with other friends and teachers I'm like great this is a great time for me to go but I'm completely going to blindside her and she's going to realize in about two minutes that I am not there 
and I hate that. But really, there's no other way to do it, because when I am leaving her, she then backtracks to crying, because she knows that I'm going to be gone. And then I don't want to go, because she's crying. So it'll just be, oh, this horrible circle. Anyway, next week, when she goes in again, um, I am just not going to go in the room, I think. I think I'm just going to say to her, look, I just, I'm just not going to come in, darling. I can't come in today. And just see how that goes. <laughs> because going in the room is not working anymore. Even though it's wonderful that they're very open to it and they're very conscientious about parents going into the room. I wasn't the only parent. I was the last parent to leave. But I wasn't the only parent that went in with their um, son or daughter. But also, you know, it's that <laughs> saying, going back to when the nursery manager, um, preschool manager, said, hope you have a nice quiet morning or whatever, it's also that motherhood mental load, isn't it? That mental load. And I, I know I wanted to come back to this. Um, so this is a good opportunity for me to talk about it. But when you get home and you're thinking, right, okay. And I know this sounds silly. And I, I was saying to my mum a couple of days ago, I was like, mum, I feel brain dead. You know, I feel really dumb almost, if that's an okay word to use. You know, I I feel so... I don't feel like there's any space for my own thoughts. There's no space in my head to make any decisions. Apart from, is the laundry on? Is there butter in the fridge? Do we have something for lunch? Do we have something for dinner? Has she got clean clothes for tomorrow? Um, Does she have everything that she needs for preschool? Which actually really isn't much. I had a panic before preschool thinking, I've no idea what she needs. We had no, like, kit list of anything or... Or, you know, I I absolutely adore that it's not a um, uniform preschool... Uh, uniforms is one thing that I'm not um, <clears throat> particularly keen on. Um, and that was a bit of a tick box for me with uh, <clears throat> preschools. But um, I, I had no, no idea what to take. So I was like, okay, it's just spare pair of clothes. If anyone else is wondering, I just did a backpack with her frozen backpack with a spare pair of pants and trousers in case she gets wet or has an accident. Um, and a water bottle, a jumper, and a gilet at this time of year in case she goes outside or whatever. I'm sure as it gets, her Fridays are going to be forest school or forest school-esque. So I'm sure then we'll need rainproof, all-in-ones or whatever, wellies, and we'll start to end up sending more and more gear into school, <laughs> into preschool. Um, but back to the mother mental load. Yeah, I was um, thinking, you know, when you get home... It's like a supermarket shop, laundry, lunch, dinner, uh, cleaning, um, all of that. And my friend, I went to go and see my friend uh, who is pregnant and she explained it so well. It's like Tetris blocks and in your mind you're putting all of these things that is just in your mind, the mental load, and you're packing it down into to fit into your Tetris game, right? Each thing, and it fits nicely. You know, we were specifically talking about laundry, and Hendrik went on to put a whitewash on of his T-shirts, hadn't done them in a while, and I hadn't done them because the we're trying to cut down on using our tumble dryer, isn't everybody right now? The clothes horse was full. Had I washed the T-shirts, there would have been nowhere to hang them, so I then wouldn't have been able to wash the towels or the cheeky wipes or the bed linen, which I do allow use of the tumble dryer for. Um, 
Anyway, he went and shoved them on, (laughs) for being stubborn, and I was left a little bit frustrated because my Tetris game felt annihilated (laughs) in my moment of overwhelm. And I think that's why it's so easy to, you know, get overwhelmed, because if one thing doesn't quite fall into place, then the rest of your Tetris game, the rest of your day is slightly out, and for the very limited amount of time that you have, so take when Amandine's in nursery and I have Elwood running around my feet, but I have a few things that I can actually get done. If one thing's slightly off, I feel really thrown and I get overwhelmed very quickly. And that also goes for mm, a bit of relationship chat coming in here. That if Hendrik is also in my ear saying unhelpful things, <laughs> you know, things like, or, or even just questioning, which he loves to do a lot. And I know, you know, a lot of the time it's not meant um, in any other way than he's genuinely asking. But, you know, why is this here? Or why is this here? Or have you done this yet? Or have you done that yet? Also because he's trying to figure out maybe, maybe, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here, what he can help with. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, But all of those, I've got like extra poking fingers in my Tetris block game, trying to poke other things out so it doesn't fit nicely, you know? I'm probably not explaining this very well, Um, but I find that extremely frustrating, and then I do get overwhelmed very, very quickly, and often, Hendrik receives the brunt of my overwhelm, um, which is of no help to anybody. Um... But I think, I I keep saying to myself, you know, treat those around you, treat those in your family and your loved ones and your circle how you want to be treated yourself. And that is so very true. And this might be a very obvious fact, but when I am so incredibly overwhelmed, I find it very easy to bark at those who are the closest <laughs> to me at the time. Anyway, I'm not sure I'm explaining this very well, but what I'm trying to say is there is a lot that is unvocalised going on in our brains as mums and it can all become extremely overwhelming very very quickly and if I know there are a lot of you um who are here for the relationship chat a lot of you here for the relationship chat but if you know your relationship with your partner isn't particularly strong at the moment it can feel even more overwhelming because you haven't necessarily got that support network and you don't necessarily feel like a team. I think that's the thing I struggle with most in my relationship and where I find myself at the moment is I don't feel like we are a team. I don't feel like we're parenting as a team. I don't feel like we are living as a team. Um, We, I have to emphasise that we have had an incredibly unbalanced and challenging few years with the, and I keep telling myself this, I keep telling myself this and I'm hopeful and, you know, really hopeful that things will balance back out again or we will find a little bit more balance. But we have had, you know, a really, we had a really tough year trying to conceive Elwood, a very, very tough year trying to conceive Elwood with covid with job security, financial, or job insecurity, financial insecurity um, because of the pandemic, 
health issues, <clears throat> probably because of the pandemic, not that any of us have actually got COVID, touch wood, and spending a lot more time over the last three years together in each other's pockets than we necessarily would have. And I genuinely don't believe we are designed to spend this much time with our other halves. Um, so it has been an incredibly challenging time. And there's also, you know, only so much work as an individual, I think, um, that you can do by yourself when it comes to relationships. And that's one of the things that I've been speaking about with my therapist, um, because of course she is just my therapist. Um, and she explained it really well, and I thought I would share this with you for anybody who is struggling with their partner. Um, <clears throat> is that you're in a maze, right? And in the middle of the maze, how I kind of explain it is I can see this wonderful life where we're all so in tune with each other. We really are a team. And it's pretty magical in the middle of that maze. But I am going down every single route around that maze that I can find and every single one I am hitting a dead end. But I know, I know there is a route that will lead me to the magical centre of the maze. And I am not done yet trying to search for that middle or that that middle centre and the route to get there. But it's very unlikely that I can do it by myself. And it's very unlikely, I think, in a relationship that anyone can do it by themselves. So on that top relationship moment, <laughs> I'm going to leave you. Please let me know if you've enjoyed the episode. Please DM me. I, it's really, really nice for me to hear that you've been listening. Um, and it puts a smile on my face. And it makes me feel like I haven't just been talking gibberish down through a microphone. All right. Lots of love to you all. Have a great rest of your, well, weekend. Bye.